welcome to Verdant North. On today's episode, Nikki spoils us with champagne. Caroline ups her seedling game, and Dan tacks up mulching chestnuts. Horse and sweet, not the same. Find out the difference right here on Verdant North. <laughs> and here's your host, Caroline Hallstrom. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode. I am so excited. I'm also half loaded. Um, <laughs> I've had or half s- empty. Or half empty. <laughs> Depends on if you're an optimist or a pessimist. Dan's a pessimist, we're it work- turns out. We're working on these two, <laughs> two episodes of reco- and the recording night. So the, like when you can tell this is the second episode is when we're all a little... Sloppy jalopy. Uh huh. Or rad, depending on your attitude. Radical. Radical. Oh my gosh, you guys. I am so excited for this growing season. I have plans, I have ideas. I'm really looking forward to, uh, I'm growing tons and tons of leafy green vegetables this year. Like I'm going to try and eat a salad a day or I mean, at least like several salads. Are you attempting to keep the doctors away? Get those doctors away from me. (laughs) Keep them away. Um, yeah, it'd be cool to be healthy. I don't think there's anything you can eat that's going to guarantee your life in that way. Yeah. But hey, you I've know heard what? The apples do it, but I don't believe Phytonutrients it. Phytonutrients come from plants. Let's eat them. They're pretty good for you, right? Do they come from tacos too? <laughs> if your tacos have leafy greens in them, let me think. Uh, uh, maybe pizza. pizza. Pizza has lycopene. You're good. You're Woo-hoo! good. Pizza's good. <laughs> Pass the test. It's a health food. Also, you get a uh, protein from gluten. That's a protein that's in the crust. And that's as long as you true. don't have celiac, hey, it's good for you. What reminds me? Oh, I was gonna say, big fan of gluten. Like, what's I don't know all the gluten <laughs> yeah, hate nowadays. I love bread. Like, yep, gluten's great. I think I think as a country, we're over the gluten scare. I think we've grown out of the gluten scare. We have so many new things to be scared about. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> uh, anyways, hey, well, uh, I have Nikki here today. Do do do. Hi, Nikki. Hello. Uh, so, oh. uh, uh, Nikki, I'm sorry, Nikki. I wanted you, since we didn't get to catch up with you in the, f- you weren't here for our very first episode, totally fine. Uh, and But you were here for the last episode that we recorded tonight <laughs> with a rad gin and tonic. Uh, tell us about what have you been up to for the past few months and what are you looking forward to this summer? Um, so as I said in the last episode, I've been sitting at home watching a lot of documentaries about diseases that are going to destroy the world. Well, I've also been spending a lot of time reading true crime books, listening to a lot of Elliot Smith albums while I'm doing that. Ooh. You know, usual cool girl Saturday night things. Lots of remastered so, stuff came out recently, uh, yes. so yes, it's yep, worth yep, listening to, yep, honestly, yep, yep, if you're a real hip cool kid. Elliot yep, Smith, writing yep, it down. Yep. Also have the Seth Avid cover album. Of him too, so so. Anyways, Ooh. I digress. So I like um, David Brothers. Me too. Um, so as we're sitting here drinking a very pretty much blood red drink, and I just finally finished reading Miss Michelle McNamara's um, something search for Golden State Killer, and they caught the bastard. Oh, and so yes. I am gonna cheers this to our girl, rest in peace, and cheers. we finally to got Michelle her. McNamara. And I'm going to call this drink as we get into it, 
don't let your third cousin post stuff, post your like DNA on 23andMe because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not going to end up well. So, <laughs> all right, friends, we're going to help you make sense of this. Uh, so true crime podcasts are super effing rad and true crime is, you know, everyone's obsessed with, you know, unsolved mysteries, whatever. So there's this murderer in California that has raped and murdered how many people? Like murdered, I think like 11 or 12 and raped many, like, like 20, 45, 50 some. Up in the 50s, yes. Yes. Jesus H. Jesus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> pretty horrific. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He was pretty awful. They called him the original Night Stalker. He had all sorts of names. They didn't know until like 15 years ago that it was the same guy who was raping people also in like San Francisco area also oh ended up being God. the same one killing people down in the LA area and he was a cop yes yes he oh was oh my gosh yep Ugh. so you know what that dude deserves everything that's coming you know what he him. wasn't what? He wasn't a gardener. Ah! No, don't think he was. <laughs> Welcome to don't think he was. Verdant North, the podcast where we tell you who's not a gardener. <laughs> we really need that section. Like history, historical figures, yes, yes. not a gardener. Yes, not a gardener. In fact, Screw him. Yeah. Get him out of here. I think he hurt a lot of gardens because he ran through them when he was running from police and all sorts of things like that. So he is an enemy of gardens and all gardening. I will, I will toast so. you that he hey, guess what? An unsolved crime spree has been solved, and Michelle McNamara was super rad. Uh, and I'm happy for Pat Oswald's family, for sure, that he, they get a little bit of, like, you know, a resolution around something Michelle was so passionate about. So, hey... Rad, we toasted once. I'm going to toast again. Everybody. Yes, definitely I'm another toast. So tell us, tell us about this drink. Okay, with all that intro, let's talk about what we're actually drinking. So what I made tonight is one of my favorite cocktails ever. It's a version of a spritz. Now, the most common version of this is the Aperol Spritz. I drink a lot of them, anyone who's ever been anywhere with me. And as it's getting to be patio season, I'll be drinking a lot of them outside. My favorite yes. time of year, patio season. So, But today, I tried to mix it up a little bit and made it with a little different um, liqueur in there. So it's an aperitif. So that's just kind of a generic term for certain types of liqueurs. A lot of them from Italy or France that you drink before a meal. Aper- um, aperitif. Yep, or aperitivo, if you're... Aperitivo. Which I should say, because we're drinking an Italian one right now. Mm. Um, so they're kind it of... It sounds a- fancy to me. I don't know why you're saying generic. Yes, That's yes, yes. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> I drink a lot of aperitifs and vermouths. It's kind of sad how often I just sit and drink vermouth. <laughs> Um, but if you drink good vermouths, they're amazing. Good vermouth so, can be a, yes. a nice drink. So this is in the same family as vermouth. So, you know, it's called, this one's a new one from Martini and Rossi, kind of old school Torino style vermouth makers. Pretty much everyone's grandma has a bottle somewhere sitting in a cupboard. <laughs> Note people, always chill your vermouth. Never leave vermouth outside of the refrigerator. It's a wine. It's a fortified wine, but it's still a wine. It goes bad. Keep it in the refrigerator. Hey, so that's you. probably if there's one message I want to give to the world: keep your vermouth cold. And so, but this is one little bit higher alcohol, so you don't have to worry about keeping it cold. It's stable. There's also enough sugar in there that'll kind of okay. keep that too. But it also has a very bitter taste. And so this one's from Martini and Rossi, and is actually just called bitters. Nice. Now, with a lot of these kind of aperitifs, aperitivos, you get your bittering agent from wormwood. 
or quinine mm-hmm. or um trying to think of the other one uh gentian root is the other one so this one you get a lot of the wormwood for it for the bittering agent with it so you start off with two ounces of that they're always usually bright red really fun super orange something like that a lot of a lot of bitter orange and all sorts of different things that they'll never tell you what's in there and then so you put a couple ounces of that in a glass you put a little bit of ice in that glass or fill it up and we're drinking out of some just nice plastic solo type cups right now but ideally you put it into a big giant wine glass Randy, and then randy's taking pictures of us too yes. so you'll see us with our fantastic drinks hi randy Jeez. thank you all righty so picture break okay we're back now <laughs> I'm sure everyone listening appreciated yes, that. Yes, um, you can you imagine guys, us all. You guys, up a come drink. see how good I look. Yep. You guys, <laughs> little little Instagram break. We're back now. <laughs> <laughs> and so after you put a couple ounces, usually two ounces of the you know Campari, Aperol, this case Martini Rossi bitters into a glass. Put about three ounces of a sparkling wine. You can use champagne. You can use whatever type of sparkling wine. I have a nice California Brut. Ooh. I'm not going to even begin to explain the history of champagne because unless you want to sit here for an hour or so, and someday <laughs> if you ever really want to talk about yeast and the whole process of making champagne, we can do that, but not right now. So take some of that. Not del- today. Nope. Take some of that delicious bubbly stuff, pour it in there, and then you take so about three ounces of that, and then about an ounce of good old fashioned club soda. Um, and then you garnish with an orange. Once again, did not feel like cutting it up. So, but the orange is, is here. Yes, it is sitting on the table. The garnish in case is here. My, you know, my cohorts here need to know what an orange looks like. Um, there is an orange. The not table native to yes. Yep, yep. You will However. see it in some pictures. So normally this would be in a beautiful big wine glass filled with ice and like a good little orange wheel. But hey, you know, any sort of spritz is good with me. So here we are. <laughs> spritz tastic. I'm enjoying it. This is delicious. And thank you thank you very much for spoiling us with a champagne cocktail. Oh my gosh. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I wanted to talk to you about seedlings and a few different things around seedlings. So, uh, do you guys ever start anything from seed? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Totally <laughs> brosif. I start seeds, bro. Yes. Sew it up, B. Uh so what do you start your seeds in? Do you have any method behind what you're doing? No. Or? No. Um usually it's whatever I've got on hand. Um I know that it's a good idea to get soil mix or a seedling mix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I've run into in the past when I'm like, you know, I'm not going to go to the store and buy the seedling mix. Right. I'm not a sucker. I'm not going to pay the $30 for a little bag. <laughs> and then I just use what I have and it ends up having like sticks and stuff in it. And yeah. then it's like I'm trying to move them and and the soil falls apart and, right. it's, and it's a disaster. Okay. So I'm gonna, I've learned the hard way. I'm going to give you some some prosif brosif tips <laughs> on what you can do to like give your seedlings the best chance possible. You talked about seed starting mix. Do you know the difference between seed starting mix and regular potting soil? Uh, it's much finer. It is. that It is much finer. It is also 
uh, far lower in nutrients like nitrogen. Mm. Your seedlings, when you sow a seed, a seed is kind of like an egg. Like when you think about eggs and like a little chicken developing, everything that chicken needs is inside of that egg. That's how seeds are. So everything that little gymnosperm, that little tiny plant needs is already stored inside this seed like like a little egg. So it is already enclosed in everything it needs to get started. It does not need more nitrogen. It does not need anything from you. From don't even do it, Dan. As I look at you and yell at you, this is a very abusive relationship with that, with, with, that with what you're what you're offering here, Dan. I've been mean to you all night tonight, <laughs> but it comes it comes from a place of jest. I swear to God. Okay, so seedlings. Um. <laughs> all right, so seed starting mix is different than potting soil. Potting soil often has a little bit of fertilizer in it to try and, you know, fluff up your plants. And it probably mm-hmm. has something to retain some moisture. So hopefully, yeah. you know, things can tolerate your abusive watering habits a little better. They can tolerate my abusive watering habits, which is sometimes I forget. I'm only human, you guys. <laughs> I'm only human. Um... So seed starting mix is low in nutrients. And the biggest benefit of that is sometimes when you start seedlings, like let's say you sow a bunch of tomato seeds or whatever, and they sprout. Uh, If you put them in regular potting soil, which retains moisture, you're giving uh, too many good conditions for diseases that will affect your seedlings Mm. there is a condition called damping off dampening off and that is where maybe a little fungus or bacteria gets its teeth into your seedlings and they die before they even get the chance to be cool yeah, that happened to all my eggplants last year. Really? They all dampened off? Yeah. What kind of dirt were you using to start your seeds in? Bad stuff. Bad stuff. All bad, right. bad ombre stuff. <laughs> Don't even go there. All right, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so if you started with a, a sterile and low-nutrient seed starting mix, you might have had a little bit more luck. Because those nutrients in the soil that your that your seeds are not utilizing uh, might be taken up by the bacterias and the funguses before your plant even has the chance to utilize them. So I did kind of like try a little experiment. I'm, I'm starting some stuff outside in my hoop house. Hoop house, uh, it's a little greenhouse. It's a, it's a fancy tent, basically, that's rusty and is kind of like a tarp. But I bought it <laughs> like six years ago and it still works. So. How big is the hoop house? You can go inside it? Um, yeah, yeah. So it's Solid. like, I'd say it's the size of like a four to six person tent. Yeah, yeah. But I started some orange thyme seeds and some uh, Rome, Roman? Maybe it's not Roman. I'm not sure. I started some chamomile seeds for my front yard blooming tapestry lawn project. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I started only two trays in regular potting soil and I wanted to sow everything I had and all I have is potting soil at home and I was like, okay, I know you're excited, Caroline, but just do these two seeds since you have duplicate packets and see what happens and do a little more research. And I did more research and the research said bad call. So I'm not expecting a whole lot from those two seed trays, uh, but... I have the other packets in reserve, and I'm going to try and get something a little more uh, low in nutrients so that I can avoid damping off. We'll see if anything germinates. We'll see what happens. Both thyme and chamomile can grow in very uh, low-nutrient soils, so I might have given them too much of a good thing. We'll find out. Hmm. Uh, but once you have your seedlings and they're cute little babies, or let's say you have gone to the greenhouse or your local big box store and you bought some seedlings that you want to bring home and stick in your yard, how are you going to go about this in the best way for the plant? Um, there is a term called hardening off. We talked about dampening off. Now we're talking about hardening off. Hardening off is how you make your plants tolerate the outside world. So if you have little seedlings you've grown inside, if you bring them right outside and stick them in the sunshine and call it a day, they're going to die. Yep. They're going to get toasted. It's They need a gradual transition from that indoor climate or that in the greenhouse climate to your yard climate. And, you know, even uh, just as an aside, even a lot of indoor, just like houseplants, a lot of people like to take their houseplants, put them outside to give them some extra juice. Exactly. You kind of got to be careful. Exactly. So if you are going to take your houseplants on a summer vacation to your patio or you're going to try and move your seedlings outside you need to do it gradually so take them outside stick them in the shade for a couple of hours maybe two and then bring them back inside Mm -hmm. and then maybe the next day you're going to leave them outside in the shade for three hours and then bring them back inside maybe your third day try maybe some dappled shade where they get a little bit more direct sunlight. So you see what you're doing. You're stepping up the amount of sun that they're exposed to. Yeah. And that will keep yeah. them from being totally freaked out. Okay, freaked out is the wrong word. Totally shocked by the complete change in their environment. Mm-hmm. That's going to hedge your bets for success. So is this not a good way to have a substitute babysitter over summer vacation? Just for plants, <laughs> not children, right? Just, 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 just for plants. There. Yeah. Just for plants. Just for plants. Okay. All right. Good to know. Uh, as I've covered, I'm inexperienced with children. <laughs> so am I. And I'm very inexperienced with plants, too. I have a somehow living cactus. and Excellent. That way. Hey, so, good job. Yay. <laughs> uh, or even your house plants and your cactuses. You can't just, like, take your jade plant from inside and put it outside in full sun for 24 hours a day. I guess there's no 24 hours a day sun on any part of the world right now. But Uh, you can't in the Arctic. (laughs) But you can't you can't just like take a plant from inside and put it outside for the whole day in bright sun and expect it to be okay. Plants are are a little bit delicate sometimes. So Hardening off is how you gradually transition them to being outside plants. And it is a great idea to give some of your house plants a vacation outside for the summer. 
I know all of my house plants that end up kind of living in my shady patio area, they grow like crazy when I bring them outside. Oh, yeah. They grow like crazy. And I'm just so like watering them with the hose. I'm not, you know, <laughs> treating them special. Um, and my seedlings definitely needed a transition to get outside into the greenhouse from being grown inside where really? they just have little lamps yeah. and the south facing window that I have. Yeah. A south facing window often is just not really enough. If you're starting seeds, not the difference between a south facing window and like a grow lamp can be pretty huge huge massive yeah and let you know we we here at verdante norte el norte verdante um that wasn't as fancy as i tried to be like nikki's laughing at me go oh, ahead verdante norte Verda- laughing with you, with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh we're covering mostly zones you know three four and five because there's just not as much content for us up here in the northern northern hemisphere and we're not even as northern as it gets but even pretty chilly in (laughs) we we had ice last week still so give me a break uh but also yesterday's So you, you know, you just have to give your, give your plants a transition. You can't just go from black to white. You got to get that grayscale in there. Um, so I have got a bunch of stuff in my greenhouse right now, like all the coleus that I propagated and some of the blood leaf irisine that I propagated. So mm-hmm. that's all my stuff that has the cool pink, green, red, purple leaves that I like to stick in a bunch of bouquets or like to plug into different parts of my garden for some more color that doesn't depend on things being in bloom. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got those transitioned out there. So it is possible to sunburn your succulents and cactuses by just sticking them out in your driveway for five hours. So be, be nice and don't forget about them. <laughs> make, it, make it gradual. And that's all I have to say about that. I would like to <laughs> jump right into our tree of the month. Of, of the day. Tree of the day. Of the month. <laughs> tree of the hour. <laughs> Today's tree of the hour, day, month, week, year. Tree of the pod. Tree of the pod is the sweet chestnut. The sweet chestnut, not the horse chestnut. Not horse chestnut, no. So sweet chestnut is, I believe I wrote this down correctly, Castanea sativa. And now sativa is not like, we're not talking about marijuana. <laughs> Americana? Yeah, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> sativa is Latin for like cultivated by humans. So it means like a cultivar of chestnut of the ah, castanea. Okay, okay, right. So here in this, and so sweet chestnut castanea sativa. That's uh, a tree that is native in to. Um, I'm not sure where it's native to. It's either like Spain or like northern Turkey, but it's grown kind of all throughout Europe. Same difference. And into the UK. Same difference. Yeah, it's all just one big backyard. (laughs) 
Uh, anyway, so I was up in London recently, and I went to Kew Gardens, and they had a bunch of sweet chestnut trees, and they looked super cool. Whoa. Like when you see, you know, these old, like, fantasy movies or whatever, like Pan's Labyrinth or The Lord of the Rings or whatever, what? and there's, like, a super cool knobby tree, and you're like, oh, look at this, like, mystical ancient tree. Gnarly. That's what a sweet chestnut looks like. They look super cool. Okay. Anyway, so I like lost my mind looking at all these sweet chestnut trees that they had there. <laughs> um, the point of this, uh, so I just love how you love trees and you can lose your <laughs> mind over how knobbly a tree is, and you're like, "Wow!" <laughs> See, now I'm wondering about this horse chestnut tree. Let's just rewind a little bit. So we have all these yeah. fantasy trees. So is the horse chestnut tree some sort of like centaur type half tree half horse? <laughs> <laughs> Different. What's funny, horse chestnut is actually only distantly related to sweet chestnut. It's like if a sweet chestnut is a horse, horse chestnut isn't even a centaur. It's like a gremlin or something. The f***? Yeah, it's totally different. So we have two trees in the states that we call horse chestnut. One of them is Aeschylus hippocastinum. The other is Aeschylus glabra, which is also Ohio buckeye. And that's the one you probably have seen more often. It's got like the five figured, the palmate leaves that oh, like, okay. yeah. So, and it also drops these like big things that look like chestnuts. And so people call it a, a horse chestnut. Can you eat them? Yes. Does it taste like Ferrero Rocher? I've never had Ferrero Rocher, nor do I know what that is. But uh, I think those are hazelnuts, not chestnuts. I'm uh, sorry. Well, you, I'm you sure that's hazelnut. I, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'll bet you could eat them, but I'm not sure. So don't anybody try it without looking it up first. Uh, as far as the sweet chestnut, you absolutely can eat those. And if you go to uh, southern places in southern Europe or like Turkey or whatever or even in the UK they have like street vendors that will be selling these things like roasted you know those like Christmas songs chestnuts roasting on the open fire whatever really? that's what they're talking about okay they take these chestnuts they roast them uh, there's like a bitter skin or whatever that they peel off and then you eat the stuff inside and it's very delicious and whatever. They like dip it in sugar. And anything's good if you dip it in sugar, right? So True. what's the point? Also anyway, butter. Also butter. Also butter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so these trees were like brought north in Europe by like the Romans. It's believed that they introduced them to the UK like way, way, way long ago. You know, like let's say the year... Zero. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. It's probably that's you know technically that's like the right time period, right? Eighteen years ago. That's a that's Pretty quite much. a while. On the nose. Uh, it's also supposedly cultivated by monks. It's apparently a tree that uh, takes very well to um, coppicing. So this say is, that again. You know, uh, have you heard the term a copse? Like C O P S E. A no. copse of trees. No. Okay, well, so it's like a little, you know, it's like a little bunch of trees, like a little orchard of trees. It's like a murder of crows, but in a different format. What's you going to do? So, specifically, this is like where they cut, you cut a tree back to pretty close to the ground, right? You you maybe give it like a foot or something, right? You basically make a stump. And then the tree (laughs) grows back, it grows a tree again, right? It isn't dead. It grows back. This is called like copsing or coppicing or something like this. Anyway, uh, so you can have like a whole orchard of these things and you cut them and you basically are harvesting wood. 
from these trees. You don't have to keep replanting them. They just grow back. Um, These take to that pretty well. So they were cultivated by monks. They were very popular in England uh, in the 1700s, 1800s. Kind of like apples, where if you grow them from seed, it can take 20 years until you get actually fruit. That's a long time. Coming out of them, yeah. But if you use stock, like if you use rootstock and like grafting a new like twig or whatever on it, you can, you know, five years or whatever it is. That uh, is a fraction of the time. It's much, much sooner. <laughs> the wood's also really great for making furniture. You can make. Uh, houses and stuff out of it you can make fence fences and posts out of it it's super high in tannin so it's a very hardy resilient wood (laughs) um it's good for outdoor use uh it also i don't know if i mentioned this earlier it looks super cool you did talk about how sick it was. It is how you lost your mind. <laughs> it's the most beautiful tree in Kew Gardens. I wouldn't say it's a beautiful tree. It's knobby and sickly looking, but it's it looks magical. Interesting. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you were like, if you went to Kew Gardens and you were high, you would probably spend most of your time just staring at this tree. We don't advise that anybody partake <laughs> in anything that makes them think trees are magical. But if you're going to get stoned and go to London, call me. That's all I'm saying. That's that's a good way to spend the day. (laughs) You guys are a bad influence. I like it. Anyway, that's today's (laughs) tree of the moment. Tree of the pod. Uh, so I was going to kind of talk about things that you can do to the soil because there's a lot of stuff that you can do. Let's say you're starting up your garden. We're in spring, right? We're almost in May. So there's different stuff that you can do to free your soil. You got to do it before you really start growing okay. your stuff. You know, you can till compost into the soil, into the soil. And so you're adding nutrients the soil. into the soil. So you're adding <laughs> nutrients with the compost. You're also adding structure to the soil. To the dirt. So if you have a lot of clay in your in your yard or yeah. in your vegetable area, it's good to add other stuff to it to kind of make it more loamish, more loam-like. Loamish is more loamly. The scientific term loamish. Loamly, and then uh, Sheboygan. <laughs> and then you're also getting <laughs> you're also getting nutrients and things and other benefits. You can you know it's good for the microbial you know stuff like the i forget what they're the called mycorrhizae that's exactly what it was the mycelium that um, means that means mushroom bits <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that's a good activity that you can do for your vegetable garden um putting that compost into your soil uh another thing that you can do is try what's the name for this i don't know it but you knew it earlier Sadie. The German thing where you put bury a log. Oh, the oh, dirt. oh, oh, yes. It's called Hugel culture. There you go. So this is the idea here is you get like a big tree branch or like a log or two and you kind of bury it under your garden bed or you make like a mound of dirt over kind of like a half decayed log. Right. Right. And the idea is that this log is going to just soak up moisture. And so you're not going to have to water as much because your plants are going to dig their roots into that log. You're not really going to get a ton of nutrients. It's going to be mostly the benefit is like water retention. Okay. Um, It's still pretty cool. It's a neat idea, especially if you've just cut down a tree 
or you cut down a tree like three years ago and you still have all these logs around, uh-huh. like on the side of your house stacked up. Put them in your put them on your vegetables. I I hear you. I do think that um, you need to be aware that there are some trees, like cedar trees, for instance, mm. that resist breaking down and may inhibit the growth of some plants. Just it's a by, good call by nature of like what kind of tree they are and what kind call. of chemicals they produce within themselves, yeah. but. Like, you got a chunk of, you know, elm. Because <laughs> you love elms. Or uh, cottonwood. Cottonwood. Yeah, quaking aspens. Quaking aspens. Quaking aspens. Yeah, so, okay. If so, anyone's not sure, if anyone wants to plant a tree, let's say this. If anyone wants to plant a tree in their yard this year, plant a handful of quaking aspens. I think it's the coolest freaking thing ever. What does that have to do with hula culture nothing. and has, soil structure? Nothing. It just came Damn. to mind, and I needed to get Stay it out of my task. chest. All right. The, so the other thing I want to talk about is mulching. <laughs> this is another kind of like soily thing. You can wait until after you plant Soil to do this. your plants. Yeah. Uh, so you can mul- put mulch down around your plants. So basically what you're doing, the point of mulching is to cover up the soil so that weeds don't come up and to retain the moisture that's already in the soil. Or after it rains, you know, keep that in the soil. Don't let it evaporate. Okay. You will be amazed the difference in your garden with how often you have to water. Like uh, I did this about like mid-season last year. I put down mulch. I used straw. Okay. I don't remember if I, we talked about this last uh, last summer or not, but basically we had to go in and water a couple of times a week if it wasn't raining in, uh-huh. our, in our garden because we just had bare soil. And then when we put down mulch, we watered like twice the rest of the year. Wow. Yeah, you just like barely have to have to do anything. It's it's uh highly, advantage. Highly yeah, and you and you, you know, you don't have to weed anymore. You don't have to water nearly as often. It's uh cannot cannot recommend enough. Also, you know, there's a lot of soil-borne diseases that plants like tomatoes can get. So if you have a layer of mulch down, it's going to prevent those spores from splashing up onto your plants. Very true. Very good point. So I you know, like... The other thing you can do with them is, t- like, the next year, if you use, like, let's say you use wood chips okay. for mulch. Got it. The next year, you can till those into the soil and, like, add structure and add... Add water something for the worms to, to eat. Exactly. Add something to soak up the water. It's kind of okay. like the other thing we talked about where you're adding, you know, you throw a log and stuff under the dirt or like the compost. You're adding organic material to your soil. Got it. So depending on what you use, it might be something that you could do. Okay. I, I, I hear you. I like it. Um, I was also going to mention since you were like, oh yeah, I got some mulch ideas. Um, there is a cool app or a website called chip drop mm. and chip drop is a way for you the the people to connect with arborists and those are like tree surgeons um and they will cut down trees that need to be cut down and they will trim branches and they will diagnose pretty problems cool with your trees they're they're pretty hardcore they use chainsaws and climbing gear and they know uh load about trees they're pretty rad people mm-hmm. but uh chip drop so if you google chip drop or like go to 
chipdrop.com, I think is their address. You as a homeowner garden person can sign up to have chips just randomly dropped off at your house. And they're going to be like less than 5% pine needles and leaves because they're cutting down trees right now today. So they're going to drop them off at your house because you said, I want wood chips. Uh, And they have like these crazy machines that eat the trees and turn them into wood chips. There there might be... Also called wood chipper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that movie Fargo. I I know what you're talking about. It could be... A wood chipper. If a wood chipper could chipper wood. Could chip wood. I'm sorry. Okay, so they they run these big trees that are fatter than you and I combined through quote unquote wood chippers and produce quote unquote wood chips. But then they need somewhere for this stuff to go. And so instead of like Craigslist post, go to blah, blah mm-hmm. park and dig it out yourself. They will drop them off at your house. That's amazing. For free. If you want to be bumped up in line, you can spend a little bit of money and they will move you to the front of the line. Oh, but so cool. you can say, hey, I want logs from trees. If you're like, I want to do some hoogle Dan culture. Hoogle doodle. <laughs> and bury some logs. Or uh, you can sign up for pure wood chips. I just want wood chips and that's it. Or you can tell them what kind of species you would not accept. And it's free and it helps arborists who are basically urban foresters Mm. uh, deal with the overwhelming amount of wood chips that they deal with and get them right to you. That's the thing, right? Because it's they otherwise have to find somebody to take all this stuff, all this material off their hands. And you don't have to worry about a lot of, like, you don't have to worry about uh, spreading some diseases or anything like that because wood chippers are going to kill things like emerald ash borers. It's going to grind those bugs right the hell up. What so, about something like oak wilt? You need to Google that, Dan, and get back to us in the next episode because oh, I wasn't prepared for that question. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know. I, would they? Would, do you think they would tell you what kind of trees went into it no here's the deal you sign up and you say what kind of trees you would not accept so you could say like don't give me any red oak yes okay cool yes um and if you say no red oak they'll skip your house but if they're in your area and you don't have those kinds of restrictions you're gonna come home from work and have a minivan sized pile of wood chips next to your house that's for Free, F-R-E-E-E-E-E. <laughs> so I signed up for it. We're going to see what happens. Um, I'm going to throw this in. Not that I endorse this behavior, <laughs> but if you have a neighbor you don't like, I feel like this could be an amazing thing. I would chip that <laughs> one nice August day at the end of summer to see this walk walking up your house you to see your neighbor's house just flooded with wood chips I mean it's as I said I don't endorse this behavior but take a picture please take that Steve Johnson <laughs> you think your lawn's better than mine not anymore I buried it in wood chips <laughs> your mother liquor Oh, my God. So, hey, chipdropper.com, be nice to your neighbors unless, you know, you don't want to be nice. That's okay, too. 
Um, Unless they have a, uh, <clears throat> or especially if they have a, a sweet chestnut tree. Sweet. Then befriend your neighbor. <laughs> look at their tree. <laughs> yeah, and, and go gaze at the awesome beauty of the sweet chestnut tree. Dan, I like your outlook on life. You're a positive guy. You're looking on. I the- like the outlook of a sweet chestnut tree. <laughs> Just checking them out. <laughs> They're pretty cool. Oh my gosh. Okay, you guys. So we had some wonderful champagne beverages. We talked about seedlings and we talked about mulch to do about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's I feel like that's a whole episode. So gonna- I'm gonna say, hey Randy, roll the credits. Thanks for listening to Verdant North. Find our blog post online at advertentnorth.net. Find us on Twitter at advertentnorth, and you can find us on Facebook by searching Verdant North. If you want to contact us but hate social media, you can email us at verdantnorthteam at gmail.com. I check it all the time. You can hear this podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Don't forget to like, rate, comment, and share the podcast. The more likes, ratings, comments we receive, the more visible this podcast becomes. I mean, heck, just listen to us, please. Uh, you can find Carolyn Hallstrom on Twitter at, at Miss O-Line. That's Miss Zero Line. Tricky. I gotcha. Miss O-Line. Zing. But it's uh, zero. You can find Dan Hudson on Twitter at Verdant Dan and planting a log in your garden. <laughs> <laughs> Wink. <laughs> Uh, you can find Nikki Lyons on Instagram at November Blue B L U eighty three. She's cheesing out so hard at planting a log in your garden. <laughs> I've done it before and I might do it again. I don't like the innuendo going on here. You can find me on Twitter at, at Marlon underscore Rando. You can also hear me on the Scattered Podcast, also available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. If that's your thing, guys talking about dumb stuff. It's it's everywhere. You don't have to. Uh, again, but you should. Eh, Do you it. should. Uh, special thanks to Brietta Stead and Dewey Vu for graphics and artwork. Such and talent. Extra big thanks to our webmaster, Corey Hartung, for making sure we exist on the web. And I'm saying your name right, Corey, for a good reason. Hartung. Corey uh, Hartung. That's a, that's a, that's a you. Uh, as always, uh, thanks to Minneapolis Band Volcanus for allowing us to use their tunes. Follow their hilarious video blog project on YouTube and listen to them and arch rival band Prozac Rat on Bandcamp, YouTube, and find them on Facebook. Yeah. Thanks for listening and always remember... It's okay to kill plants. Unless it's a sweet chestnut tree. <laughs> then don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>